Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, where we take ourselves about as seriously as we do Faraday Futures promise that they'll start producing cars next year. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I'm fighting a bit of a cold this week. Uh, as a consequence of some roller coaster weather we've been having here in the Midwest. So apologies if I sound a bit wheezy, or uh, apologies if I sound a little more wheezy than normal. In any case, let's get straight into the news. First up this week, if you drive a 2011 to 2015 Hyundai Sonata or Sonata Hybrid, do yourself a favor and try not to crash it anytime soon. Uh, almost a million Sonatas have been recalled for recalled, 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 recalled for a seatbelt pretensioner that may not work, leading to some nasty injuries and collisions. No word on a fix yet, but they're expecting to have a resolution in April, so just drive safe in the meantime, as if Sonata drivers really needed any more encouragement to drive like grannies. Um, Anyway, Toyota and Microsoft announced this week that the tech company would license all of its connected vehicle patents to the car company, which is their largest ever agreement with an automaker. Toyota will have access to everything from operating systems and gesture controls, which would be interesting to see behind the wheel, uh, and cybersecurity to voice recognition and artificial intelligence. Um, Microsoft doesn't make cars, said Microsoft Chief Obvious Officer and Corporate Vice President Eric Anderson. We are working closely with today's car companies to help them meet customer demands. Which is great, um, and the, Toyota, the, the agreement with Toyota is not exclusive, meaning Toyota won't be the only cars with Cortana inside, um, but nobody has confirmed whether, whether or not uh, she can be programmed to call you Master Chief when you talk to her from behind the wheel. And I don't think Toyota is going to release a warthog anytime soon. Um, in terms of Formula One, um, the new season kicks off this weekend, and Autocar had a really comprehensive look at all the changes to the F1 cars versus uh, the, how they looked and how they performed last season. Some of the changes include wider tires, a wider track for the wheels, uh, wider front and rear spoilers, uh, and shark fins to help reduce drag off the front wheels, in addition to larger fuel tanks. Basically, what all this means is that lap times should be between 3 and 5 seconds faster, depending on the course. That also means that the cars that last year were capable of holding uh, 3 times the force of gravity in the corners will now be able to pull 5.5 lateral Gs and take corners 25 miles per hour faster, which is kind of mind-bending. The drag reduction system, or DRS, uh, this will also be a really important factor this year because the downforce has increased so significantly when the DRS kicks in and decreases that downforce, we should see some really epic passing, uh, making this possibly the most interesting F1 season in a long time. Um, like I said, the, uh, the it starts off this weekend with the Australian Grand Prix, so tune in. Uh, I know I will be watching. I'm 
been a, a Formula One fan in the past, but sort of not tuned in too extensively just because of the whole Bernie Ecclestone sort of mafia type culture. But now that it seems to be turning around, I think it's a really good time to get into it if you haven't been before. International Council on Clean Transportation, an independent research group, reported this week that the cost to implement the Obama administration's lofty fuel uh, efficiency standards for 2025 could be as much as 40% lower than previously estimated. Um, The council claimed that this was due to a number of factors, including uh, turbocharging, the use of lighter weight materials like aluminum and carbon fiber, and also advanced transmissions, because we're seeing things like 9- and 10-speed transmissions uh, start to crop up in cars. Uh, All of these could reduce costs to comply with rules from the previously estimated $875 per vehicle to just $551. And while $551 is still a lot of money, when we're talking about the price per vehicle to double average fleet-wide fuel economy to 54.5 miles per gallon by 2025, it sure seems like, to me, a small price to pay. And uh, conveniently, this comes a week after Donald Trump stated that his administration would revisit the rules but allow California and 13 other states to continue on course to meet with the Obama CAFE standards. Um, Now, we're not sure what effect this is going to have on the study of the fuel economy goals, but we may end up seeing no change at all, which sounds uh, more and more like it's in the automaker's best interest, despite what they continue to come out and say publicly. Um, the Maserati Levante, uh, which I have actually seen on the road once um, and decided it was very ugly, uh, is brand new this year, but that hasn't stopped it from being recalled no less than four times since December of last year. First, it was recalled recalled for backup camera. I'm having a lot of trouble with recalled this week, which is bad because we keep having cars get recalled. Um, first, it was recalled for backup cameras that didn't work when it was cold. Second, it was recalled for an issue that caused the transmission to switch into neutral if the car was traveling slowly like it would in stop-and-go traffic. Third, it was recalled for a potential electrical short circuit. And the most recent recall was for an issue that caused the transmission to switch into neutral if the car was traveling slowly. And if you were listening closely, yes, that was also recall number two, which means the Maserati Levante has been recalled twice for the same thing, showing just how competent their engineers are at troubleshooting problems they themselves created. Um, This car is, uh, how you say, uh, molto italiano, which is not good. Um, The 2017 list of Consumer Reports' lowest rated cars came out this week, and I'm just going to give you a few seconds to guess which company dominated the bottom of the barrel. Um, I'll give you a hint, it's not Mitsubishi, even though the Mirage and iMiev did make the list. Uh, It's not Land Rover or Jaguar, though the Discovery Sport was the lowest-rated compact luxury SUV. Um, If you haven't guessed right now, um, I suspect a lot of people are shouting at their radios. It was, of course, Fiat Chrysler, with the Fiat 500L, the Chrysler 200, the Maserati Ghibli, and the Dodge Journey all featuring in the list of worst new cars. 
Also present, though, were the Mercedes CLA, the Cadillac Escalade, and the Toyota Tacoma, which may sound surprising, but the base Tacoma is a really Spartan, plasticky, unenjoyable place to be. And uh, that's despite its reliability, which actually Consumer Reports also says is much worse than it has been in the past. So we may see Toyota start to slip in the rankings there. Uh, Consumer Reports is uh, is surprising us and not surprising us this year with the Fiat Chrysler numbers. The whole diesel cheating scandal crap just doesn't seem to want to go away. Uh, Bloomberg reports this week that Daimler is being investigated with uh, Stuttgart prosecutors probing over possible fraud and false advertising. Uh, There's suspicion uh, that the Volkswagen cheating software is just the tip of the iceberg and that all these manufacturers knew how to cheat the system and they all participated in some form of cheating, but nobody ratted one another out, uh, even though they knew everyone else was doing it for fear of bringing down the whole cheating scheme and everyone involved. Uh, It's certainly looking more and more true, but uh, it's not just confined to Germany. Uh, France has confirmed that it has opened a judicial inquiry into whether Fiat Chrysler diesel cars used a defeat device to cheat emissions tests as well. FCA vehicles were among those that recorded the highest nitrogen dioxide emissions under the non-standard testing regimes that were designed to detect banned engine software cheats. Um, But meanwhile, conveniently, right after the French PSA group bought Opel from General Motors, French prosecutors absolved Opel of any wrongdoing after having initially indicated that they had operated cheating devices as well. Coincidence? We'll see. Um, Bad news for all the hippies out there, who I assume are not listening to my podcast, Um, But good news for those who love rolling coal, sales of the Toyota Prius Hybrid are significantly down this year over uh, the sales last year. Um, This is a product of a couple different things. Uh, One, the Prius Prime, which is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, uh, much like my wife's Ford Fusion Energy, went on sale and offers 25 miles of electric-only range. Uh, And it's selling pretty well. Uh, Presumably, though, it's cannibalizing some of the standard Prius' sales. And it stands to reason that the people who are interested in a Prius for saving fuel would be more interested in a model that takes it a step further and offers drivers gas-free driving for a bit. Um, So the second factor is that gas is cheap. Fuel efficiency is generally uh, high among other cars, making the Prius a little less special. And the weird sloping hatchback body style has turned off a lot of consumers or it's just gone out of fashion. Uh, Toyota Vice President Bill Fay said that Toyota may consider offering a Prius crossover at some point to meet with changing consumer demand because obviously the world is not yet a terrible enough place. Um, So you guys know how I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Tesla hadn't had a beta car of its Model 3 produced and may rely on early adopters to help them work out the kinks of their entry-level electric vehicle. 
Well, it looks like that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, the truth about cars covered an investor call with Elon Musk in which he verified that the first production Model 3s would be rolling straight off the assembly lines in the next few weeks and that they were confident that there wouldn't be as many initial quality and reliability issues as there were with the Model S thanks to what he called enhanced computerized scrutiny. Um, clearly these computers were not quite up to the challenge of scrutinizing the Model X crossovers before they came out, because they have apparently been having just as many problem-plagued issues as the Model S. Uh, speaking of the Model S, Tesla have discontinued the base model, called the 60, because it has a 60 kilowatt hour battery, um, leaving only the more expensive options out there until the Model 3 starts rolling into driveways. Um, like I said when I initially covered this, it's not a problem when early adopters of the Model 3 want to live on the bleeding edge of technology and uh, they know they're signing up for a potential world of problems because of an unproven technology. But if those who signed up are wanting a reliable uh, electrical car to save them money on gas and repairs, they may be facing some serious buyer remorse if Musk's improvements don't measure up. I've said it before, right now, I'd rather buy a Chevy Bolt than a Tesla, because I think Chevy just has the technical expertise and the history of making cars to have produced a better vehicle. Um, next, so you also know how I mentioned last week that we could see a wagon renaissance coming. Well, uh, it may be Buick, of all companies, that gets it kicked off. Um, this week, the Buick Regal Tour X has been spotted in both Michigan and Germany testing. Uh, spotted in Germany because this car is basically the Opel Insignia Sports Tour, which is a really sharp-looking car. And uh, it'll be one of the Opel models that GM will hang on to after having sold the brand to the PSA group, uh, presumably for where the next generation of vehicles starts being designed in uh, China or Korea. Apparently, according to papers filed in California, we'll expect the Regal Tour X to get a 2-liter engine and all-wheel drive, um, and because of all current safety features and the fact that all Buicks are boats, it's going to be heavy, so unless that motor is turbocharged, we probably shouldn't expect too much of the way in, in terms of exciting performance, but uh, hey, new wagons. Uh, we just have to remember to go out and buy them. Our show news this week. The big news is that Richard Hammond was knocked out again while filming a segment for the next season of The Grand Tour. He's apparently just fine, uh, just banged up a little bit, but fans of his and of Top Gear will recall the scare when Richard's top fuel dragster flipped and caused him some pretty severe head trauma. So uh, there was some initial worry that something similar had happened this time around. Uh, and fortunately it's nothing too severe and he's already making fun of himself about it. And it's a good thing he wasn't severely hurt because it sounds like he was a very long way from a hospital. Uh, Top Gear, meanwhile, is back for a new season without Chris Evans shouting at us all the time. Uh, this season, Matt LeBlanc is taking over the reins. And alongside him are Rory Reed and Chris Harris. And I've watched the first episode, and let me tell you, this is the new Top Gear we were hoping for last year. Uh, yes, it still feels a little bit scripted, uh, but you can see the interactions between the cast members are just, they're more sincere and they're more organic. 
and they just look like they're having more fun. And consequently, it's much more fun to watch. And I really can't wait to watch the rest of the new episodes. Uh, lastly, Top Gear USA died a pretty unceremonious death a while back. But apparently that wasn't the end for a U.S.-based Top Gear series. Uh, BBC America this week announced a new show, Top Gear America, which will be hosted by actor William Fickner, drag racer Antron Brown, and car journalist Tom Ford, all of whom are true gearheads like you and me. Uh, while I'm interested to see where this goes and if it can pick up a broader audience than Top Gear USA did, it's not especially promising that BBC America isn't promoting this show a little more broadly. Uh, it's almost like they themselves don't expect it to work out. And maybe, hopefully, we'll all be surprised, um, but we'll see uh, throughout the course of eight episodes that are slated to air later on this year. Um, in terms of new cars, there wasn't really anything on the horizon this week. I think the rest of the... Uh, Automotive industry is either waiting for Paris or they blew their load in Geneva. Um, but we do have an obituary, and it's kind of a sad one. Uh, it's the Aston Martin Rapide. Um, dead this week is the V12 Aston Martin Rapide, which I initially hated for the fact that it was a four-door Aston Martin. But when I saw the photos, I could not help but love it. Honestly, it's one of the most beautiful sedans in the history of sedans. Uh, fortunately, is not completely dead, as it is set to come back as an all-electric model next year. Um, hopefully, it'll retain its drop-dead gorgeous looks, but I know that I, at least, am going to miss the really lovely V12 bellow. Uh, so now we're going to jump into our deep dive. <laughs> talk this week a bit about automotive stereotypes because we tend to really cling to some preconceived notions about certain cars or brands when it's sometimes not accurate or not fair. Uh, this comes to mind for me this week because my friend Nick sent me a video uh, <laughs> of a fun quirk he ran into with his truck uh, after updating the software in his Pussy Magnet Yellow Ford F-150, his speedometer apparently started refusing to report any speed, despite the definite presence thereof. Uh, I told him that I had actually had the same thing happen to me in a rented Chevy Trailblazer years ago, and I just assumed I'd have a great excuse if I got pulled over and the officer asked me if I knew how fast I was going. I relayed this story to my wife, who told me that her grandmother's Dodge Shadow used to have the same thing sometimes. So that's all three major American car brands with the same issue decades apart. And it becomes less of a mystery why American cars are perceived as unreliable when you encounter these sort of anecdotes. They have powerful consequences. There's a big push right now from our White House to balance out our automotive trade deficit, basically to try to get other countries to buy American-made cars. But that's a tall ask for a world which has made up its mind about American cars. Take Japan, for instance. Bloomberg reported that Japan has the fourth, fourth largest trade surplus with the U.S. after China, Mexico, and Germany. 
It exported more than 1.6 million vehicles to America in 2015, while the U.S. sold fewer than 19,000 vehicles in Japan. American cars made up a total of 0.3% of the Japanese market. And it's not because of tariffs or poor dealer networks or currency manipulation. It's because Japanese people made up their minds that American cars performed poorly, depreciated quickly, and were unreliable. And all it took were anecdotes. Last time I was in Japan, and it's not just car-related, a tour guide told us why so many McDonald's in the country had been closing. She said that a video had been posted online that showed some chicken McNuggets being made in China in a dirty factory where they were being dropped on the floor and then still shipped out to restaurants in Japan. After this one video came out, the country just collectively sort of decided, nope, and stopped eating McDonald's. The company couldn't keep its stores open and had to close many of them except for the busiest and most touristy areas. And yes, I ate at McDonald's while I was in Japan, because sometimes you just need a Big Mac. Anyway, American cars these days are a tremendous value proposition. Anywhere from the exciting Ford Fiesta ST and Focus RS to the innovative Chevy Bolt, or the built Ford Tough trucks that, while they may not tell you how fast they're going sometimes, are legitimately hard to kill. Talking of anecdotes, my neighbor's expedition is still going strong at 320,000 miles, and he has no plans to replace it. But it's not just negative anecdotes that people cling to. Consider what many automotive enthusiasts consider the greatest untruth ever perpetuated, German engineering. Simple fact of the matter is German cars, while nice and luxurious and prestigious in badge, are some of the more unreliable vehicles on the road, outside of obviously Fiat Chrysler products. But since so many German car brands are luxury brands that carry social connotations of high value, people will dismiss anecdotes about their friends' BMW 235iS models that enter limp home mode because of an accelerator-actuator failure when the car is basically brand new, and instead remember their buddy's 300D that is still kicking at 500,000 miles and runs on vegetable oil. People want to believe German cars are good because they're expensive status symbols, so they seek out anecdotes that confirm their existing biases and uphold stereotypes. Now this isn't to say that German cars are crap and American cars are good. Ultimately, it comes down to individual brands and then even down to individual models. And we owe it to ourselves, not just to ourselves, but to our cars to do the research and challenge our own biases. Years ago, I wouldn't have considered buying a Ford, but my wife and I are very happy with her Fusion Energy so far because we educated ourselves and tried something different. You might find it works the same way for you. Unless, of course, you buy a Fiat Chrysler car. And uh, that's going to do it for our deep dive section. We'll jump into our call to action. And in the spirit of the deep dive this week, I want to encourage everyone to get out there and try something different. It could be something as big as going mudding if you're more of an autocross type of person, or as small as simply taking a different route home and enjoying the new scenery and maybe a fun new road. As for me, I've never been a huge fan of the color gold, but I must admit I'm very fond of the gold wheels that I occasionally see on white Subaru WRXs. So I'm going to try my hand at plastidipping my RX-8 summer wheels for my Mazda 3 this weekend and see how gold suits my own white hatchback. Let me know how you're trying something different this weekend, either via email or in the comments on this post on my site. And with that, I'll thank you for listening, and thanks to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. 
I'm going to leave you this week with the sounds of testing for the new Formula One season, which starts on Saturday. Uh, Be sure to get out there and watch the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, Have a great week, everyone. Here's your moment of zen.